Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is a special Christmas edition of the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Network. Come Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Blixin' and blixin' and all his reindeers pullin' on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle, oh what a beautiful sight. So jump in bed and cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows we're all God's children, that makes everything right. So fill your heart with Christmas cheer, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He'll come around when chimes ring out that it's Christmas morn again. Peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Come Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Bixin' and blixin' and all his reindeers pullin' on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Live from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is Miss Bobby Bell, Miss Jingle Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Yes, it is Miss Jingle Bell. I had to do those a little louder this week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, to start things off, that was Dean Autry with Here Comes Santa Claus, and it's only six days till Christmas. Are you ready for it? Oh, no, I'm not ready at all. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The last of the uh, packages to family, um, Jim, take to the post office today. We are still shipping for customers, of course. There are still a couple days left for that. And all of the boxes from storage uh, from two years ago when we landed here, all the Christmas boxes from storage have made it to the house and the house is in total disarray with Christmas <laughs> erupting. Um, uh, the snowmen had the snowmen have made their presence, and they have they have taken their place. And all the animated plush figures that we just love—none of these things we've had out in years and years and years. So, 
Um, we'll be doing a little more of that this afternoon, I think. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. Well, I saw on Facebook you had some kind of little figure that was playing the saxophone or something the other day. Oh, yes. So He's a new addition this year. And when we saw him uh, at a, actually a Macy's store, and we when we pushed the button, and Jim looked at me and said, oh, my gosh, it's Jesse. It's the outlaw <laughs> <laughs> of Miss Devin and the outlaw. Devin and the outlaw. And we, of course. He had to go home with us. <laughs> uh, that's too cute. That is too cute. Well, we're in the Christmas spirit around here, and uh, and again, it's only six days till Christmas. Man, it sure got here in a hurry. But we have a great Christmas show lined up for you today. So who's our first guest? Well, we have Eli Barcy on the line. Um, her husband, John, was going to uh, join her. Unfortunately, he's got a little bit of that under the weather thing going on so we say a big howdy to john and eli will be joining us shortly all right so we look forward to talking with eli and uh, we may talk a little bit about john since he's not here to defend himself but then in the second hour of the show on saddle up america we have another canadian joining us and that's miss Lori duff she is an international equestrian clinician, so we'll be talking with her on Saddle Up America at the top of the hour. But right now, let's listen to a great song from Miss Eli Barcy. It's one called I'll Be Home for Christmas, Jingle Bells Rock, and Winter Wonderland. And we'll be back in just a moment to talk with Eli on the Campfire Cafe. <laughs> Tonight, 
walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is a new bird, here to stay is a new bird. Sing the last song, we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman, and pretend that he's part and drown. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man. from the CD, A Merry Prairie Christmas, featuring today's guest, Eli Barcy, with her husband, John Cunningham. Together, Eli Barcy and husband John yodel up a storm and engage the audience in a way that is truly cowboy, high energy, nostalgic, and yet fresh. Performing at top Western festivals and cowboy gatherings throughout North America, they recently had the opportunity to perform on stage at the Ryman Theater in Nashville. A multi-talented singer and songwriter, Eli's special Western roots blend of Canadiana country music combined with genuine talent, superb musicianship, and clear vocals wins her audience over every time. And in 2019, Eli has added artist and author to her resume of many talents with the publication of two books this year, Beneath the Prairie Sky and Poems and Paintings from a Prairie Girl. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, direct from Saskatchewan, our friend, Eli Barcy. Welcome, Eli. Hello, everybody. What a nice nice opportunity to visit with you. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Hello there. We are so happy to have you join us. And um, I'm sorry, John is under the weather. I don't know what you did to him. But uh, uh, but he's, he's got a great nurse. Too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, but, it's been a busy Christmas show season, and he's just um, run right down. And he was so determined to to be a part of this uh, conversation today. But I think our our listeners would have a real hard time understanding him <laughs> since he can't speak very well. Uh, Poor guy. No. But he says to say hi to everybody. Well, hey to him. But uh, and he's not here to defend himself, so we may we may talk about him big time today. Sure. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I I've I guess I've known you guys for five or six years, and I have never asked this question of you. But how did you and John meet? Well, um, it was uh, many years ago. It was 1989, June 11th to be exact, and, and wow. I remember that day because we kind of celebrate, that's kind of our anniversary more than anything, um, for when we celebrate an anniversary, it's the day we met, and uh, it was in Edmonton, Alberta, 
and we I think it was uh, it was in a, a not so nice of a kind of a club. I was playing there with a band, and he was coming in with a different band to audition. And it was just one of those you know bar gigs that so many of us had to do early in our career. Right. And uh, that's where we met, and so the, we dated the next day. Started dating the next really? day. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we wow. hit it off. Well, we had so much in common with the music, and you know, he was from—he was—he's a city boy, though, from um, Ontario, and I'm a farm country girl from the prairies of Saskatchewan. So, so there was some differences there, <laughs> but the music, you know, brought us together. How cool is that? How cool is that? Mm-hmm. So, who made the first move, John, or or you? Um. Good question. You see, his band was auditioning. Uh, we we were the ones that had the gig, and his band was coming into audition and use our gear. And so he he was he was going to set up his stuff in my spot on the stage. So I took it upon myself to go and help him. <laughs> and let me help you adjust the microphone, and let me help you with that. And then I guess we just chatted more throughout the evening that day, and then. Uh, made a plan for the next day to go wow. out for a walk and and dinner. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, That's a great story. That is a great story. <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh it's a it's funny. Uh, um there's there's I could I it's a, it's a long long story. That's the condensed version, but um when I see you guys next time, I'll tell you the long version. But we didn't want to eat up our whole hour with that. <laughs> oh, gosh. So how long, how long after you met and had that first date was it before you before you got married? Uh, let's see. Three years. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was kind of slow. Yep. He was kind of slow. <laughs> Well, we were busy. <laughs> we were busy. Uh, it, it can't, you can't, and he, uh, we weren't working together. So I'm going in different directions um, to play music across the country, and he's going in another direction. So it's not like we got to see each other a whole yeah, lot to you, plan you, anything like a wedding or. <laughs> oh gosh, like, that is cute. Yeah. So what what was your first Christmas together like? Because, you know, we're right here at Christmas. We're going to talk a little bit about Christmas traditions. But what was your first Christmas like together? It was it was lovely. Um, I think that uh, he came to, I think he came to the farm. So he kind of had a, um, a baptism of farm and Barsies <laughs> all at <laughs> once. too much of a shock to the system i think he i think he enjoyed it and was it was similar to his christmases you know the most important thing celebrating with the reason of the season and being with family and and so it was just in a different province you know for him and and then we eventually started going to his family's place for christmas too and you know you kind of have to go to take turns one in one year and the the next year, the other family, and back right. and forth. Right. Yeah. And and then when we had um, our daughter, well, then you start to, things changed again, and, and John's work changed, and we weren't able to go anywhere for Christmas because he always had to work on Christmas Day. He was driving... Wow. Um, he was driving bus for Edmonton Transit, and wow. uh, being the new right. newbie on the on the on the bus route he always had to work the holidays and 
yeah, but you make the best of it, and that's we, that. And then we start our own. You know, uh, it prompts you to start your own um, Christmas traditions, and so we have all those memories too, which of course are always fun when the when the little ones start coming into the family, right? That's right. That is exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I want to get to a great song that you wrote called "Christ of Christ of Christmas." It's from the album A Merry Prairie Christmas. And uh, when we come back, let's talk more with Eli about maybe some of those Christmas traditions and, uh, and just continue the conversation today on the Campfire Cafe. We'll be right back. Okay. This is Christ of Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, from the CD, A Merry Prairie Christmas. 
And we're talking with Miss Eli Barsu today, and we're finding out all about her romantic life and how things <laughs> brought her and John together. But uh, uh, so you've got you've got one daughter, and uh, what was Christmas like with her growing up? Oh, so much fun! It's it's so much fun being a parent when they're especially when they're just little. It's finding their way, and uh, Christmas was always um, a delight. It was so hard to to not go overboard. We just have the one child, so you want to buy right. everything. And <laughs> so, you know, we established right in the beginning one big present and then a few little things, and, and it's more about, you know, uh, fellowship with our friends and family and um, taking in some great uh, services, church services, like all year long. But it's, at Christmas, it's so nice to take part in the the, the community pageant and have our little one uh, involved in that, and and knowing the importance of why we celebrate Christmas. And it was always so much fun. We we spent a lot of time outside, even though we're in Canada. That was a big yeah. part of our day on Christmas when I was growing up as well. So it was fun. You know, to be able to go out and go sledding or skiing or skating or whatever we have going on in the neighborhood and maybe jump on a sleigh ride if it's somebody who's going by mm-hmm. and and uh, cooking turkey and having all those so special was, treats. Were your Christmases usually white then, Eli? Did you pretty much always, always. have snow, always. at least on the ground? If Always. Always. Oh. I can't remember yeah, I don't think there was ever one that wasn't white and cold. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they're, they're from from you know from the snow going right over, like drifting right over uh, the doors of our house when I was growing up on the farm, to just a skift of snow, you know, and from forty below to you know maybe oh. a minus two kind of oh. Christmas <laughs> day, you know, everything, but always white. <laughs> always uh. white. Uh-huh. Do you have a special yeah. do you have a special Christmas memory of your growing up? Um I think um it's, there's just so many. They were always always good and always fun Christmases and when when I was little there wasn't a lot like, there was always a present and it was a big deal to have a present or two under the tree, but I think I liked the stocking the best because there'd be so <laughs> just little things in there. And I know yeah. it sounds I know it sounds like I'm ancient, but having a Christmas orange and those are like the mandarin easy to peel oranges, we just call them yeah. Christmas oranges. You know, in the yeah. bottom of your stocking, that was a big deal. And a bottle of um like uh, some kind of uh, soda, or we call it pop, so like a, a bottle mm-hmm. of 7-Up or something like that in my stocking. It was such a big deal because those were things we didn't get all year long. Yeah. And, you know, and there were treats and, and the ribbon, the ribbon, hard ribbon candy. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah, we'd only <laughs> see that at Christmas. So the stocking, and, you know, we wouldn't dump it out. I, I wouldn't dump it out. I would just take one thing out at a time <laughs> and look at it. And, and at an early age, my parents um, always bought me music. Like, I wasn't playing instruments when I was little, little, not till I was about 12, but um, I showed so much interest in music, like they'd they'd buy me my favorite record, you know. So that would be the only time in the year that I'd probably get a record or an album of somebody, like Emmylou yeah. Harris or 
Dolly Parton or something like that. So and, then, and it was and then a he, record. It was a record. Yes. It was vinyl. The record. Yes. Oh. Yep. So wow. those are all, you know, and just and being outside, my dad would have to get up early and go out and do the chores. You know, it was not anything different for him to have to work uh, when you're when you're a farmer, rancher, and right. So sometimes he'd have um, the horse uh, hooked up to haul bales to the cattle. He'd just hook up one of his horses and didn't do this every year. I guess it depended on the weather, now that I think back. But he would come by the house after he was done the chores, and and my sister and I um, would get on, and he'd take us for a little ride. And so, oh, wow. So many, so many special memories. Well, it's a, it was a Courier and Ives type of Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 Golly. Yeah. When you sit back and think about these Christmas memories, maybe you don't think about them any other time of the year, but at this time of the year, it's fun to go back and remember. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And you just have to smile, you know, it's, it's they're just oh, yeah. such great memories, great memories. Mm-hmm. Well, here is a great song. And this is another one that we're going to play right now called heart of the Christmas night by Eli Barcy. We'll be back in a moment and talk more with her about her Christmas memories on the Campfire Cafe. Christmas comes with the snow of December, drifting down like an angel sigh. The gray wolf song he remembers. With his nose up against the sky That's the song from the heart of a Christmas night That's the song I love so well For a king was born on that holy morn On the day of the first Noel There's a snowshoe trail through the pasture It leads to a journey's end There's a lamp hanging down from a rafter It shines like a welcome friend That's the song from the heart of a Christmas night That's the song I love so
Eli Barcy, Heart of Christmas, from her, um, she has two wonderful CDs. We're playing music from both today. This one's from Christmas in the Canyon, Christmas CD. And um, uh, Eli, while we were just chatting, um, <laughs> the three of us kind of off the air, uh, you told us a really fun story about a truck, which is featured on the cover of your most recent single CD, um, Portrait of a Cowgirl. And I'm going to post a picture of that in a moment on Facebook. Why don't you tell us about that red truck? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that red truck is uh, was my dad's 1952 International, and it's been around long before I was even born. And uh, growing up, I was mentioning to you, too, that that was like the other vehicle um, my mom had a car or tr- or truck that she would drive, and then the other vehicle was this old International, and so Dad would often use that to run to town and take everywhere. And and uh, I guess when I was really little, it didn't bother me riding in it. It was just whatever you don't notice. But as I got to be older and a teenager, that was just embarrassing to ride in that old truck. And so <laughs> if uh, somebody came to pick me up from town, um, I'd be, say, figure skating, and I'd have to phone home when I was done for someone to come in from the farm to get me. And I would always hope that it's whoever's coming, they were bringing the car, not the old <laughs> truck. And then there the old truck arrives, and I would, like, slink out of the out of the skating rink, just kind of not wanting to be seen <laughs> by any of my friends, you know. And, but little did I know that, um, you know, not that many years after that I would be so proud of that truck and, and be very happy to ride in it. And now I'm the second owner and have that truck here parked in my garage here in Saskatchewan and <laughs> and I'm just so so thrilled that uh, I feel so blessed that that I have that and that's whenever I drive it around it's I'm, I'm my dad's in there riding with me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah do you put yeah. it you put a wreath you put a wreath on the front of it at holiday time yes I have kind of decorated it up for, uh, for yeah. a few photos and stuff yeah and it's i it's hard to keep it running all year so it's more of a summer thing and we take it out for mm-hmm. parades and and photo shoots and videos and and special things like that but uh yeah it'd be nice to have it running every winter because it's just fun it's it's fun to drive and and go around in it's just a, it's just a cool thing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> when you were talking about um, your Christmas traditions a little, just a little bit ago, and you're talking about Christmas Day, what uh, did you do anything special on Christmas Eve, or the the day during the day of, or the evening of Christmas Eve? Uh, yeah, always there'd be um, there'd always be a family gathering um, of some sort on either side of the family, or. Uh, or neighbors, there'd always be some kind of get together, um, and then church, of course, was always um, before or after that. But uh, the the church services um, on Christmas Eve are just so special. And they're usually candlelight services, and those seem to be the majority of the ones that we've been able to go to. And they're just they're just lovely, and it's just so nice to be still and uh, to mm-hmm. celebrate and worship with with uh, like-minded people and just to to really absorb the true meaning of Christmas. And I think it just it just sets off your whole year, you know. 
when you can take the time mm-hmm. to do that and with family and friends and neighbors. I think that is so cool. <clears throat> and who would who who knew that back when your dad was picking you up in the pickup truck that that truck would be the most expensive vehicle in the house today. I mean, (laughs) I know. I know. I think he paid two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, I want to get to another song, and this is one called "Children Go Where I Send You." It's a beautiful song. It's a fun (laughs) song. And uh, and let's take a listen to that right quick, and we'll be back to talk more with Eli on the Campfire Cafe today. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee one by one. One was a little bitty baby, born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee two by two. Two was Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee three by three. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee four by four. Four was the four that stood out the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee five by five. Five was the five that came back alive. Four was the four that stood at the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee six by six. Six was a six that couldn't get six. Five was a five that came back alive. Four was a four that stood at the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee seven by seven. Seven was a seven that didn't get to heaven. Six was a six that couldn't get fixed. Five was a five that came back alive. Four was a four that stood at the door. Three was a Hebrew children. Two was a Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee eight by eight. Eight was the eight that waited at the gate. Seven was the seven that didn't get to heaven. Six was the six that couldn't get fixed. Five was the five that came back alive. Four was the four that stood at the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was the pollen silence. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm going to send thee nine by nine. Nine was the nine that stood at the line. Eight was the eight that waited at the gate. Seven was the seven that didn't get to heaven. Six was the six that couldn't get 
dead six. Five was the five that came back alive. Four was the four that stood at the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was the Paul and Silas. One was a little bitty baby. Born, born, born in Bethlehem. Children, go where I send thee. How will I send thee? Oh, I'm gonna send thee ten by ten. Ten was the ten commandments. Nine was the nine that stood out the line. Eight was the eight that waited at the gate. Seven was the seven that didn't get to heaven. Six was the six that couldn't get sick. Five was the five that came back alive. Four was the four that stood out the door. Three was the Hebrew children. Two was the Palestine. One was the little bitty baby. Born, born. Born in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, Jesus was born in After that, one. <laughs> oh, God. from the CD Christmas in the Canyon, and uh, yeah, I guess you perform that one quite a bit live now, don't you? Well, that's another one of those counting songs. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like oh, the bad, the boys in the band. Oh no, not another counting song. It's kind of like the Twelve Days at Christmas. <laughs> Takes a lot of practice to get that one down, but it's a fun one to do live. That's for sure. Oh when we wow! Are dropping, oh, wow. dropping numbers. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. Children, go where I send thee. So when you were growing up and you go into the church services, did uh, did they have programs where the children participated in the uh, in the uh, Christmas Eve services? Oh yes, yes, all the time, and that was uh, that was the best part because it's like every family. Some of the churches we went to, um, one in particular, they every family was uh, expected to participate in some way so not everybody can sing and or play so people would recite right. um or do a little skit or just get up and tell them um praise for the blessed year they've had and it was so i love those ones the best it was so so nice to hear from every family you know and and uh, it seems like I grew up in the Catholic Church, and so there was a, um, a very well-rehearsed <laughs> Christmas pageant <laughs> every year. And, um, and then, you know, like every, every church has a different, uh, a different way of approaching all that and their presentation of it. But uh, we've got to experience so many, and, and yeah, it's always, uh, it's always special when you get to hear people get up and say and do things you wouldn't hear them do all year long. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. what age were you when you started? Did you start singing in church? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, singing in the choir. Um, I was, <laughs> as, as I don't know, as young as I can remember, I could hold a book and read the words, I guess. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think when when they started to realize or they could, I got a little braver and a little more vocal, literally. Um, I was asked to do a solo 
you know, at the church uh, special events like the like this Christmas pageant, and and that was so that was so good because it was really you really have to step out of your shell. I was always a shy little gal, and so if you're going to be singing a solo, you gotta you gotta step it up and you gotta practice, and you so you start to learn how to prepare for things like that. Um, you know, mentally and vocally, and and yeah, so it, that was a, definitely a big uh, foundation to getting my career going. Wow! Wow! Did your, did your mom or dad sing in the choir too, Eli, or were you the only family member that was singing at that Just time? Just me. Just me. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my mom kind of sang at home, but she was shy and still shy and and dad was actually the, the musician and where i probably get my um playing by ear gift is mm-hmm. through his fa- those family genes but mm-hmm. uh yeah so there's some influences in from both sides yeah, yeah. well that is so good well i would like to have seen a little eli barcy uh-huh. <laughs> Standing up doing uh, your first concert at church. That would have been fun. That would have been well, fun. Maybe. But, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from singing in church to singing in the bar and meeting your future husband. That's kind of <laughs> Not quite. From one uh, job to another. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I want to get to another song, and this is a classic. This is one that I absolutely love. It's called Mary, Did You Know? We are having a big time talking with Eli Barsi today on the Campfire Cafe, and we'll be right back. Did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make us new? And this child that you would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your Face of God. 
because they can get pretty interesting sometime. But uh, you were just you were just telling us about uh, playing at a uh, uh, what assisted living or nursing home yesterday. Hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were John and I um, were in in the town that we live in, and um, it's attached to the hospital. And we had found out before we went over that a friend of ours was. Um, recently put in the hospital so we thought well we'll go visit her um after we play because uh, when we do the care home it's they bring all the residents into one common room and we play for all of them at one time and thought well we're in the building we'll we'll go down the hall and around the corner and visit our friend and play a song for her and then we kind of we kind of felt bad that we're just playing for for her, because some of the neighbors in the other hospital rooms could, could hear us, and well, why aren't they coming to see us? So, so we talked to the nurses, and um, one of the nurses put a list together uh, for the room number and name, and we just ended up going from room to room to room and and visiting with everybody in the entire hospital. And it's funny how God works because that mm-hmm. uh, wasn't part of our entire plan, but it ended up being. Our, our whole day yesterday, and we just uh, we just enjoyed it so much, and we met some really great people, and and uh, it was just a nice uh, a nice day. Wonderful, wonderful gift. Yeah. A wonderful yeah. gift that you shared yesterday. Well, well, we're we're just so blessed that we that we get to to share our music at, at any level and, and on any platform. You know, it doesn't have to be out in the. Um, uh, under the bright lights uh, and uh, a crowd of thousands, you know, this intimate one-on-one song for someone in the hospital is feels sometimes a whole lot better than being on those big stages. And we're just so blessed that we get to do it an- anywhere that we get to do it. And so it's just uh, got to keep our hearts open for that kind of stuff, right? And, and Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you and John are such great people and um uh you've participated so in well. some of our fundraisers down here in Tennessee that we've done for a couple of years and and always such great yeah. and gracious and talented people to be giving back and uh at this time of the year I guess that's what 
that's what really is important, uh, not the gifts that you might receive, but being able to give your gift to people like you did yesterday. Well, it's, it's, it's important for us to do that all year long, and we certainly aren't the only ones that find that important. You know, in our, in our circle of friends and musicians, I think everybody, everybody uh, when, when given the opportunity and time to, to do that, that everybody steps up. And so we're just blessed to be able to do it, too, you know, and have the means and, and time to travel and, and everything that, that, that's involved with that. But, you know, we, we know so many people that do that, right, you guys? And yeah, as well as yeah. you guys, you know, you guys are so giving of your time and your wonderful radio show. Meet, uh, reaches so many people, you know. You're, so you're constantly making a difference, and it inspires the rest of us to to step up our game too, right? <laughs> well, you're very kind to say that. And we do have fun, and and we, we do, do. visiting and sharing I, great music. I, I I just want to jump in. I know our time's coming in, and and this is slightly off the Christmas thing, but. Um, <laughs> Look, I was getting ready for today's show, and you were just in November. You were in Nashville, and I see a photo of you with Riders in the Sky, um, mm-hmm. who are, of course, they, you know, their Christmas album is wonderful too. And it just looks yeah. like you were having the best time, and that was just oh. in November. What, what was, what yeah. was going on with you in Nashville? Oh, well, John and I were on a tour that was all over Virginia, and then we ended in in Nashville with about, we had about four performances, one being the Country Music Hall of Fame. Um, they had me in for the fifth time doing a, ro- a yodeling presentation. And uh, so while we were in, in Nashville this time, the Riders in the Sky invited us to go backstage at the Opry. They're, they play at the Opry often. Um, mm-hmm. they, Ranger Doug said whenever they're in, whenever they're all home, the Opry usually needs them to be there. So they play at the Opry a lot. Now the Opry was moved from its usual venue, which is the Opry House, um, to the old Ryman downtown, where you know it originated, because they were right. doing um, a big Christmas presentation at the Opry House. So it was moved to the Ryman. So how blessed are we that when we get to go backstage with them? It's at the Ryman. So yeah. it was very yeah. exciting to be there, and they invited us up to hang. It was, they did two shows that day, and they were both sold out. So, of course, they have a lot of time in between. Nobody goes home in between. You just hang out. So we were visiting. That picture you saw was us hanging in the dressing room with them and visiting and <laughs> laughing. and oh, it, was, it was such a thrill. So my dream and goal since I was three is to sing on the Grand Ole Opry stage. And that hasn't happened yet. However, I'm so determined that it will. And uh, be, being there and getting some introductions that night um, was kind of bringing me one step closer. So I'm I'm working on that all the time, and I've got some good friends like Ranger Doug and the Riders that are helping to make that happen. And we'll we'll hopefully see that uh, happen in the future. Oh, that yeah, is very exciting. Great. <laughs> They're great advocates, and uh, uh, so I look forward to catching you on the Opry stage. Well, but, I'll keep uh, you posted. It's going to be a party. Right. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to get in another song real quickly. It's called okay. One Bright Star, and it's another beautiful, beautiful song by Eli Thank Barcy. You. We're on the Campfire Thank Cafe. You. We'll be right back. 
uh, Christmas markets the last little bit. But uh, yeah. great, great, great artwork and, of course, great, great music. And uh, it so is always a pleasure to have you with us. And um, tell John to get well. We just got I to talk will. about him without him being able to defend himself today. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> but he sends his love, and, and next time he'll be available to chat, I'm sure of it. All right. Well, you guys <laughs> yes. have a very, very, very Merry Christmas, and uh, we're going to close out this segment of the show right now with another counting song. It's the 12 Days <laughs> of Cowboy Christmas, and you're going to love this. Eli, you have been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Gary, Bobby G. Merry Christmas to you Merry and your Christmas. family. Love you to pieces. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. On the first day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me a lasso on a saddle tree. On the second day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me new leather gloves and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the third day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me Five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me six fiddlers playing. Five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso. On the seventh day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me seven swans swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me Eight cows from milking, seven swans a-swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me nine ponies prancing, eight cows from milking, seven swans a-swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the tenth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me Ten lambs are bleeding, nine ponies prancing, eight cows from milking, seven swines are swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four balling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me 
Eleven riders riding, ten lambs are bleeding, nine ponies prancing, eight cows are milking, seven swines are swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four bawling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. Oh, finally, on the twelfth day of Christmas, my cowboy gave to me Twelve weeds a-tumbling, eleven riders riding, ten lambs a-bleeding, nine ponies prancing, eight cows for milking, seven swines a-swinging, six fiddlers playing, five chicken wings, four bawling herds, three cattle brands, new leather gloves, and a lasso on a saddle tree. Time for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We continue with our Christmas celebration. When we come back, we'll be visiting with Lori Duff, an international equestrian clinician on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take a listen to Mary Kay's Saddle Up Your Pinto. Throw on your old socks. And your favorite flannel shirt It's Christmas Day, baby And we don't have to work Santa's helper has had her day And now I just want to go and play You settle up your pinto And I'll settle up my bay Leave the wrapping paper all over the floor Cause there's a winter wonderland out that door The sun is high and sparkling on the snow Let's get out of here and go see the show This is the best kind of weather For the swing of Maine and the smell of leather You saddle up your pinto and I'll saddle up my bay Hear the thud of hoops Christmas day never sounded so good You settle up your pinto And I'll settle up my bay Leave the wrapping paper all over the floor Cause there's a winter wonderland out that door The sun is high and sparkling on the snow I saddle up my bay. 
Maury Duff is an internationally renowned equestrian clinician, a horsemanship trainer, a provincial Canadian equine judge, an equine business consultant, and a motivational speaker. And I don't know what else she has time for. But let's welcome to Saddle Up America now, Miss Lori Duff. Hey, Lori. Hi, Gary. Hi, Bobby Jane. So nice to be good on with you guys today. Merry good Christmas. morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> or afternoon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you in Canada today? Yes, I am. I'm actually home uh, and I'm enjoying some time, uh, downtime, uh, before we get busy with the holiday season. Well, that's great. Everybody needs a little downtime. Everybody needs <laughs> yeah, a little downtime. Sure. And particularly when I just read some of your credentials, and you are a pretty busy young lady. And um, so I want to find out a little bit about you. I, I, I was reading your bio, and it said that you grew up on a dairy farm in Topsail, Newfoundland. And um, yeah. how did you get into the horses from a dairy farm? Well, growing up on the dairy farm, um, we had a nice acreage, and we had a nice facility there. We had a dairy operation, and of course, we always had you know a horse or two around. Uh, growing up, my sister and I, uh, we would love kind of going and visiting with the horses, but we never really did much besides just ride them, you know, bareback in a field or whatnot, or be led around when we were little girls. Um, so my love of horses was always there from a very early age. Uh, and then I actually started riding a little bit um, as a younger child with some friends uh, at trail riding facilities and getting my uh, feet wet, I guess, and getting my passion about how I felt about kind of galloping off on a horse <laughs> when I was a little girl. Right. right. So how did the training come about? How did the bug bite you to become a trainer and a clinician? Well, actually... Yeah, it was it was interesting how it started. Uh, it was with my son, actually. Uh, him and I had gone to a facility in um, uh, a, a different part, just outside the city of St. John's area, exceptionally south. Uh, it was called Avalon Equestrian Center. And we started there, him and I, just doing lessons on Sunday mornings. Um, so we would go and we would do riding lessons together. It was something that I wanted to do. Um, he rode a little pony named Phil. And I would ride uh, anything from a school horse, Diego, to uh, I think there was another one called Kokanee. Um, yeah. So in, in the early stages of just doing the riding lessons with those guys, they were certified trainers um, through a Christian Canada, which is our national body here in Canada. It's an equine educational level rider program where you learn how to become uh, a coach. And a trainer. Um, so I actually got involved with those guys on that level, and it, it, that's how it kind of bit me. And I think within le- less than a year, I had purchased my own horse <laughs> for the first time. Oh wow! Uh-huh. Wow. So you were you were a coach first, and yeah. did you start working with individuals, or tell us a little bit about that? So as as I developed, I guess, my interest or my passion about uh, the coaching level program, so you can do, with Equestrian Canada, you can do uh, several different disciplines. And what they offer is a, is a wider level program, and it's an amazing program, and it gives you a, a really good standard to follow to learn how to be safe around horses. 
so as I developed that and I started doing my rider levels and I started mentoring with some fantastic coaches actually from here in Ontario, uh, one lady, her name is Melanie Gray, and she's still a dear friend of mine to this day. Um, her and I would work together. She would come into Newfoundland as a clinician. And as I watched her coach and train us as students and how to become better riders and how to have a better understanding of your horses, I fell into the path of looking for all of that information myself. And sometimes as I was going through, I would, I would struggle along the way of wanting a better way of learning how to communicate better to my horse. Um, and, and as I struggled, uh, my horse and I struggled together, you learn different things from different people. So then I started to want to find a way to have it be something that I developed and that I could help others with. So that's kind of where it started. And then I became more of a, a coach and a trainer, and I, I studied with tons of different people. And as I just went into the whole basis of becoming a trainer and a coach and where I am today, uh, it, it basically came from that. It just came from wanting a better way. So you developed a program of your own then that you're able to, yeah. to, yeah, yeah. So where are, where are your clinics held? Um, right now I am, uh, I'm international. I'm a little bit overseas. I'm in Europe in uh, Stockholm, Sweden area, and also in Lyon, France. I'll be there uh, later this year. Um, I've traveled uh, across Canada. I think last year, uh, out of the 10 provinces and two territories of Canada, I think I covered eight or nine provinces uh, from wow. coast to coast, from the west coast to the east coast. Uh, I've done a little bit of work in the U.S. and as a clinician and then also again overseas. So uh, it's it's getting more and more popular Um my I guess my my name and my philosophy of my horsemanship and I'm kind of just doing it one clinic at a time with uh, one group individually each weekend and then it's kind of built quite fast from there well I have watched your Facebook videos and it looks like you are just having a ball wherever you are and your oh, students yeah. are learning a, a, a ton and uh, and not only do you go and do a clinic at a place, but then they then they want you to come back. Yeah. So you. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? Oh, that's it's wonderful. It's such a great feeling. I'm I'm extremely passionate uh, about how it is that I come across as a coach and an educator and a friend. Um, I tell people every time I go anywhere uh, and, and they host me at their farm or I stay with them for the weekend as I'm traveling, I tell people I'm growing my family everywhere I go. So every yeah. time I go to someone's facility, I'm growing my family. Um, and, 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 and they do become family. And I love, uh, you know, the feedback that I get uh, from some clients that I have that have never met me and then we become friends. Uh, I've had people reach out to me after a clinic event and, uh, you know, just share some some details of, of what, what they have and uh, how they're experiencing, you know, their relationship with their horse after the fact. And that I love. And I tell people all the time, and it really is true, it's not only because I'm a Newfoundlander and I'm from Newfoundland, and we're very well known for our hospitality and, and our, our personable uh, characters. I tell people all the time, I'm literally a phone call away. 
so when I when I work with someone in a clinic setting and that person, you know, over a period of a day or two has some real great success with their horse, I say to them, when I'm done, you can pick up the phone and call me. If you have a question about something that we've done or something that they've experienced or if they go through some hardships after I leave and they start to struggle just a little bit, then I say, pick up the phone and call me. Send me an email. Oh, that's Send great. me a video. Yeah. I love it. I love I love creating, uh, you know, the family that I have all, all over the world. Yeah, and I suppose that you have some people that want to pick up the phone and tell you about some of their successes and how this has worked well for them, too. So that's got to be very rewarding. It is, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, again, going through your bio, uh, you are a judge. Now, I met you. Uh, for the first time, I think it rode to the horse last year in Kentucky, and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, and you were there for that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, were you at the Extreme Mustang Makeover in Lexington this year? Yeah, I was a part of the uh, group, the organization for the judging for the youth division for the Extreme Mustang Makeover uh, in Kentucky in June. Um, I truly loved it. Um, I got to meet uh, prior to that with the Road to the Horse. Uh, Ann Saunders was there um, with the Extreme Mustang Makeover Heritage Foundation, and I got to spend a little bit of time talking with her. That was in March. Um, and then a couple of the administrators reached out to me um, after that for June for the Extreme Mustang Makeover in Kentucky. And it was quite the experience to see what these youth could do with an untamed Mustang in 120 days. And uh, the youth division only um, um, showcases their their groundwork. It's not uh, really a, they don't actually get on and do any riding. And you right. do that a little bit more. But it was such an amazing experience to watch these young men and women um, you know, these, these new little trainers that are coming up. And I, I got to meet one little girl after uh, the judging event was over. And I, I, I actually, her parents were there. And uh, she's a great little girl. She was only nine years old from Michigan. And uh, I told her parents, I said, I just want to shake her hand. I said, because I, I love to follow her career and see where she is in five to ten years. Because I said, she's one of the best horse trainers I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, she's a pretty amazing young woman. Yeah, well, it is absolutely amazing what these young folks can do with Mustangs in, as you said, 120 days. But um, so you're a, you're a judge, you are a trainer, you're a clinician, uh, you are an equine business consultant. So what is that yeah. about? So as I developed my horsemanship philosophy and as I went through, I guess, all the growing pains of, of where I am today, uh, as you're doing anything with horses, you have to stumble through some of it um, and you've got to be passionate about it. And you've got to want to um, look for those answers in everything. So as I was growing in the industry, I was, uh, you know, I chaired big events when I was just a member of the provincial board in Newfoundland. I chaired uh, the recreation division and I did a revamp with Equestrian Canada of our trail division. That was back in 2006. As I developed all these different things, and I got myself more invested in the equine industry as a whole because it's quite large. The equine industry is quite large. It's so diversified from vet care assistants and technicians to horse trainers like myself 
to, you know, saddle makers. So it's such a large industry that as a trainer, I kind of started touching base with all those different things. So networking is a huge part of my business uh, that I do. So as I'm going through the growing pains of, of becoming a horse trainer and traveling all over the world, I'm networking with people like yourself, uh, you know, uh-huh. and of course my, my beautiful sponsor, Trudy Midas, for Stangy Silk All Natural Grooming Products, um, her and I met, uh, and it was just by chance at an event in Kentucky. So as I've done that, I've now been able to take the research that I've put into my own business, and I can help other people that are wanting to have success if they have, uh, you know, a grooming facility or if they have a boarding facility or a breeding program. So anything that I have to offer in regards to my knowledge or experience or my contacts throughout the industry, that's kind of what I'm sharing as a consultant. Okay. All right. And and um, how did you meet Trudy? Uh, Trudy and I actually met at the Road to the Horse, and it was about maybe five or six years ago. Um, I was there to do a presentation uh, to welcome Barbara Schulte from Brenham, Texas. Uh, She was coming out here to Canada and doing a symposium uh, at my farm, at Liberty Lane Farms. And uh, so I was just waiting behind the scenes uh, with the production crew with the Road to the Horse with Barbara's presentation. Um, She was a judge for the Road to the Horse that year. And Trudy just happened to be in the same production room as me, and her and I just started talking, and she looked at me, and she said, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Canada. And so we just started chatting, and right there, uh, we we ended up kind of just talking a little bit about what she does and what she offers, and uh, I know that you know Trudy as well, and uh, anybody that knows Trudy uh, knows how an amazing of a person she is, and uh, yeah, she's a dear friend, and so she sponsored myself here in Canada, and then I'm actually a distributor for the Espanol Silk Grooming Products here in Canada, so I'm trying to get it actually here and set up here in Canada a little bit more, but that's how Trudy and I met. We met at the Road to the Horse, and it was literally by chance, and uh, we became dearest friends instantly. Well, Trudy is not a She's not enthused about her products at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, I love Trudy to death, and uh, uh, I guess I look forward to seeing her a couple of times, probably in June. But uh, but, but great, great products. I want to take a quick break. Sure. And I want to come back and talk with you about this endurance race in Mongolia and how that came about because that is fascinating but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll take a quick break I guess Bobby this is almost a Canadian kind of day-to-day with Eli joining Canada and and, yeah Lori from Canada and and right now we're going to listen to a song by Twin Kennedy from Canada it's called I'm a Child Again, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about racing in all places, Mongolia, with Lori Duff. We're on Saddle of America. We'll be right back. Light that wraps the neighborhood in 
again and they now reside in Nashville so we're happy to have those folks down here close but we're talking with Lori Duff today and uh, Lori I'm just really interested in this 2018 Gobi Desert Endurance Race you did in Mongolia so how did all of that come about? <laughs> um, actually it's a, it's a really interesting story it um I, I was uh, approached by a lady that I met at an Equus Film Festival in New York. Um, her name was Heather. She was one of the authors that was there uh, showcasing some of her books uh, that she had written. And I was there for, I was nominated for a short film uh, for my little video. It's called Humble and Kind. And that was in New York um, the previous year. So she reached out to me, um, this lady Heather, and told me that there was this endurance race in Mongolia and wanted to know if I wanted to represent Canada. And let me tell you, I had to think about it for a second because I am not an endurance racer. So uh-huh. I, I kind of 
I, I, I researched <laughs> it very gently, and as it was happening, as they were, you know, behind the scenes asking me to be a part of this race and represent Canada, um, and it was, it was quite the endurance race. It's 500 kilometers in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia on um, five Mongolian horses that are, I will say, very lightly trained, uh, but pretty well semi-wild, uh, these horses. <laughs> and it was, it was quite a challenge because you're riding about 80 kilometers a day. Um, but Wendy originally approached me about doing it. Um, my daughter had just gotten diagnosed that year with a rare skin disease. And so she had started receiving chemo and steroid treatments back then. Wow. That was probably about five or six months into treatments at that point. We happened to just be at the hospital here in Ontario, and it's a beautiful hospital. It's called uh, CHEO, so the acronym is for the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. And uh, there was a former, um, there was a lady there that I knew uh, from years ago in Newfoundland, and she worked with the foundation. Uh, so it's a charity foundation, and they fundraise money and so forth. So I happened to be at the hospital. We were upstairs at visiting with the doctors that my daughter saw uh, for for her specialist. And then so I went downstairs and I, I asked this lady, I said, hey, I've been invited to race in this endurance race. If I do it, can I donate the race to CHEO and fundraise some money for the hospital? And she said, absolutely. So wow. once they said yes, that was kind of my, my purpose or my reason for going. But I think a lot of it was really about my daughter and just kind of showing her, you know what, even though when things get real tough, if you hang in there and you can endure it, you can get through just about anything in life. And that's, wow. that's a part of my philosophy, too, for horsemanship. And, and she's doing fantastic. Um, she still is going through treatments and stuff like that, but she's a trooper. She just started university this uh, this year here in September. Um, I'm very proud of her, proud of both my kids. And, oh, that's great. Um, she did fantastic. So, yeah, that was a big part of it. But the endurance race itself um, – I was very proud to represent Canada. I was very proud to have success and get through the race from the beginning of it to the end. I had some injuries in between, um, but the last day of the race, I did. It was a very big accomplishment for me because I wasn't an endurance uh, rider. I didn't train for it at all. And uh, so it does test every limit of who you are as a person to get through 500 kilometers on horseback. (laughs) Well, now, for, for, mm-hmm. for those of us that can't convert kilometers, do you know how many miles that was? I do, but I'm not 100% sure. So it's a little less in miles, I think. I'd have to do the math on it. I'm not 100% sure. It's a lot of miles anyway. It's, yeah, it's, it, it probably is, yeah. It, 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 it felt like that in the very beginning when you get through day one and day two, after doing, uh, you know, riding pretty well from 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and it's it's different climates and different temperatures, and, and you're, you really are on your own because it's just you and your horse. So for me, when I went, I had a philosophy and I had a theory about my horsemanship that I really wanted to test and see if I was really honest with myself that my philosophy about my horsemanship and my theory was really accurate. So uh-huh. I, I tested it and, and went through what I my my philosophy is about my horsemanship, about communication, trust, and respect, and having more horse than you when, when you're finished than what you start with. That was kind of one of those things that I did. So each day when I would have one of my horses, 
uh, and I'd, I'd get, you know, past my horse, or you kind of, you get assisted on getting on your horse, and then they kind of look at you, and you kind of say, yeah, okay, I'm ready to let go. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like that. And then, uh, so I would spend time getting to know my horse at the end of every day um, that I rode. Um, my horse BPM, so the beat per minute, was the lowest. Um, I, was, I was under every time. I never let it out. All my horses were in good condition at the end of every day that I rode. And I do believe in the fact that if you take the time and you can communicate really clearly as best you can with what you're given, which was very limited for me with these horses that I didn't know, every day was a brand new horse. If you take the time, you can develop something even so slight as some form of understanding with that horse. If you can communicate very clearly to that horse that you want no harm to come to them and that you, you are, um, you know, looking for a better way with your horse, you can have a ton of success. And I, I felt day four I had one horse and it was uh, it was a horse that I bonded with over the day. Um, when when you're done vetting out, you're asked that you know your horse is checked and you've passed the vet check, so you can pass your horse to a herdsman, and then you can you can go and you know refresh yourself, and someone will look after the horses, right? Because there was 18 okay. riders. Um, when there's this one day when the lady, the assistant, came up to me and she said, "Lori, you know you can you can give your horse to a herdsman now," and I was kind of just petting and loving on this horse I just kind of looked at her and I was pretty filled up and I was teary-eyed I said this horse was carrying me all day and I said if you don't mind I'm going to have a moment with him yeah it was quite a it was quite an experience and I was I was very proud to represent Canada I was very proud to get through the race and get home and to share my story and to share my horsemanship with with other people so it's been a very exciting experience for me to be able to um, explain to people the experiences that I had there with those horses and to tell people, you know, here in Alberta or in Ontario or Newfoundland, you know, you are doing the same thing that they're doing over there with their horses. It's, it's, we all want the same thing with our horse. We all want to have success um, and, and have, a, have a, a safe and healthy relationship with our horse. And it's, uh, it's what they want too. The Mongolian culture um, and how much they love the horse is just unbelievable. Yeah, that had to be quite an experience just to experience yeah, the uh, the 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 country and the people that are yeah. involved with these horses. And uh, wow! So how long how long were you gone for that? Um, I think it was a little bit part of about two weeks, so it was uh, quite a bit of a setup. Um, you get there, and it's a lot of logistics, uh, and then. I guess packing up and heading out to the desert was another big part of it. Uh, we did get to do some fun things towards the end. Uh, after riding 500 kilometers on, you know, six Mongolian horses, uh, we got to do a little, uh, we were taken out to another part of the desert as a unit, the whole, uh, all the competitors, and we got to ride camels and do a little, like, a mini you know, mm-hmm. fun race or whatnot. And, Honestly, it was it was it was an awesome idea. I would have preferred to have done it after I had done the race because <laughs> 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 you're pretty tired after riding for that that long and that many miles or kilometers. So uh, it was a little bit yeah. I kind of was like yeah. And I just wanted to have a little visit with the camel. I was like I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did double check. 500 kilometers is 310 miles. I don't know. 500 kilometers sounds a whole lot longer than 310 miles. 310 miles sounds like a lot to me, yeah. (laughs) I'm curious um, if you had to do some special training for yourself to prepare for desert conditions or um what was what was that like or how did you pack for that what did you what did you wear riding in the desert um they usually they would give they gave everybody all the competitors because there were several different countries that were there there was new zealand australia uh sweden canada u.s the u.s team did fantastic they actually won the entire race as a team and then individually the head um gentleman that won for staff he, he actually uh, was with all the Americans that had won, so and they were fantastic. They were great camaraderie between them as a unit. Um, but we're given a list of all the different items you have to bring. Now, uh-huh. not being an endurance racer, I wasn't really aware of how important it was to stay as hydrated as they, you know, uh, pronounced and so forth, and using electrolytes and all different types of uh, different gear and stuff like that. So there's safety gear that you use proper footwear and proper um, guards to go over your stirrups on your saddle. There's all kinds of different things, but it, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a neat sport. I really enjoyed it. I have such a huge understanding and respect for the endurance competitors um, because you really do have to be quite prepared. I wasn't as physically prepared as I would have liked to have been because um, I spent a lot of time fundraising um, for the event to actually go in it because I wanted to do that as well. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, there is a lot of there's a lot of great fun gear that you have. But it is really a, as, as little as possible. But uh, the, the endurance part of it and staying hydrated was something I'm I wasn't really that aware of until day one. So day one, I had gotten severely dehydrated, and so that was one of the things that after that I was okay. We've got to keep checking to uh, stay hydrated. So staying hydrated is such an important part of it. Yeah. And yeah. how does how does the horse does the horse how does the horse stay high? What what do you do to help the horse be sure that that the horse has what's needed? So as you go through, there's checkpoints every uh, okay. ten to fifteen kilometers, depending on the location where we went. Because as we went each day, we were traveling further and further and further closer to the Chinese border. So as we went through each day, there would be a 10 or 15 kilometer or 20 kilometer checkpoint. So you would ride to that checkpoint and then someone would be there to meet us all as a unit. And so the horses would get water and with electrolytes in it. And there was, I think on staff, there was over four vets, uh, large equine vets that were there. Uh So the horses were very well looked after. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Interesting. That's great. So is there another endurance race in your future? I would love to go back. I, you know what? I, honestly, I would really love to go back. I, I, I follow it quite a bit, the Gobi Desert uh, race, and there's a, there's a couple of other ones that are um, over there in Mongolia as well, and there's endurance races in the U.S. too. The Tevis is a big one. Um, right. and I, I'd love to go back and do it again, but I think for now – I'm quite happy with my schedule and and how my my career is going now. But I would love to do an endurance race. I really enjoyed the last year of the race. I had a horse that took off. Uh, my last horse of the race took off, and it was 
the longest period of time that I'd ever been in a hand gallop on a horse in the middle of a desert and with nobody in eyesight view at all. And it oh, was wow. one of the most amazing feelings that I've ever experienced in my life for horses. So I'd wow. do it again tomorrow if I could. Wow, wow, wow. Well, that is pretty exciting. And uh, uh, I don't know if you ever thought when you were growing up on that dairy farm that you'd be riding in the Mongolian desert. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, yeah. th- this this is a Christmas show, so we want to talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, we want to talk a little bit about Christmas. What was Christmas like for you growing up in Newfoundland? I had an amazing Christmas experience every year. My family is awesome. My mom and dad. I'm so blessed um, that I get to still spend some time with them uh, on a regular basis. But uh, growing up for Christmas with those guys was fun. One of the nicest memories I ever had uh, was always doing Christmas baking on Christmas Eve with my mom. Um, I I thoroughly loved that, even especially if it was like a stormy night on Christmas Eve, uh, because you could just smell all the cookies throughout the house and, and, and the wood stove going and stuff like that. So that was one of my favorite things to do. But Christmas morning was always so much fun because, um, we would be so anxious. There was five of us, and we would be so anxious to get up and have our Christmas gifts and have our Christmas day. Uh, my mom had been up always the night before, you know, prepping the turkey and, and getting all the cookies and everything made and doing other things and, and cleaning up and so forth and getting ready for company that she would always be tired. She'd like, you're up too early. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> which, I think, uh, which I think a lot of parents experience that. The kids are so anxious to get up in the morning. Oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. morning you know, yeah. they're mm-hmm. all that, you know, still dark outside. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm thinking about some of my past Christmases with my children, and yeah. uh, and then I get tickled thinking about my children with their children now, and it's like, yeah. oh, we'll we'll get up about one. You guys just go ahead and open some presents, but they're they're all teenagers now. But uh, did you ever? Did, what was your favorite Christmas gift? What was your favorite Christmas? I have to say, my favorite Christmas gift was a Raggedy Ann doll. Um, yeah, my sister and I, uh, we always wanted to have, we always got a doll for Christmas, and we were very blessed about that. Our parents always, you know, it was my sister and I were very close and uh, a little bit different in age, but we always would get, you know, um, a doll each every Christmas. And I have a collection, actually, of all the porcelain dolls that my mom always gave me, but um, one of the, the best Christmases was waking up, and the Raggedy Ann dolls weren't wrapped they weren't in wrapping paper or anything, but they were kind of sitting, you know, laid just so underneath the tree. And I, that's I just mm-hmm. such a vivid memory to just look out and see the two raggedy and dolls. And they were quite large, too. So that was a beautiful Wow. Thing. Wow. Yeah. What about with your children? <laughs> Any favorite uh, Christmas memories? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Favorite Christmas memories. Well, one memory sticks up. My kids were always fantastic Christmas time. We're always such a little team of the three musketeers and, and doing different fun things. Um, Christmas mass was always a big thing for us to go to Christmas mass with uh, other family members that we knew uh, in our community. And we were prepping and getting ready one Christmas uh quite a while back and we had two brand new cats that we had just gotten in our barn and they were younger cats they hadn't they hadn't even passed the year of age um 
and the building itself, the tack room, I guess, you know, how cats are, they're so curious. Uh, one of them had, we thought, had, had left and, and wandered away, and we were very sad about it and so forth. And my son went into the barn and went into the tack room and into the feed room to get grain to feed the horses. We were, my daughter and I were getting ready to go, you know, get dressed up for Christmas mass. And he came down to the house and he said, Mom, Mom, I hear the kitten. The kitten is inside the wall. So <laughs> one of the cats had gotten down inside the wall of the tack room. So oh, needless no. to say, we didn't make it to Christmas mass that night. We did end up cutting out some of the drywall, and we found this kitten that had been in there for a few days. Oh, and no. we were just we were so thrilled about it. We were sitting in our good church clothes and, you know, all prepped and ready to go and, and had family members we were meeting after church and so forth. And then we just ended up, we were just hanging out in the barn with the cat. to get water and just loving on this little thing we thought we lost. So that was probably uh, one of my favorite memories. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, Lori, you have been a fantastic guest, and uh, it, it's so interesting to visit with you uh, to find out how you got started on this journey that you're on with horses. And uh, and man, I, that's really fascinating about the about the uh, the endurance ride. That was that was kind of special. But uh, are you still a cat family, by the way? Oh yes, yes we are. We still have we still have one of the cats, and we oh, have a couple gosh. of dogs too. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm I like cats, and I think the best place for them is in the barn, but uh, <laughs> not necessarily in the wall. Not necessarily no. in the wall. But anyway, well, listen, you're great. Is give us your website. You have a website now, don't you? Yes, I do. It's uh, www.libertylanefarm.net. And uh, it's it's under a little bit of a rebooting, revamping uh, for the new year. I have some really exciting things coming up in the new year, uh, so the website will be a part of that. Uh, so you'll see some information as that happens for the 2020, and what's on my docket and my schedule for next year is going to be quite exciting. That is cool, and I think you have a new video series that's going to be rolling out in 2020. Yes, sir. I'm really excited about that. I really hope that I do get the time, and I take the time to get all that done as well as I possibly can. Um, I've actually had a little bit of an up boost about doing the video series and the segment series. I'm going to be a headlining commission uh, for a new online expo. It's called The Art of the Horseman. Um, wow. Paula Curtis is the founder of that, and she had reached out to me back in 2019, uh, this year, uh, later in the fall. She had created this new online um, expo, and it's it's just basically an online horse fair uh, that's promoting horse professionals and horse horsemanship techniques, and it goes from trainers to horse health, horse health and riding uh, skills. So I'm going to be a Canadian headlining clinician for that in 2020 this year. It's called The Art of the Horseman, and I'm very excited about that. That is exciting. That is exciting. And I think you've got a couple of different uh, uh, Facebook pages, don't you? Yes, I have my personal page. It's uh, Lori Duff, and then I also have Lori Duff Horsemanship, Liberty Lane Firms. And on that page, the Facebook page, um, you can follow the events that I have created there. And so that shows all the different locations where I'm going. 
um, the firm names and, uh, you know, a little bit of information about each one of those. And that's an excellent way to reach out to me, too, if uh, people are interested to find out more about my horsemanship or to follow me. Uh, they can try the social media route. And, uh, again, I, I, I said it in the very beginning, I'm a phone call away. I love when people pick up the phone and call me. I tell people, they're like, are, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, I'm I'm old-fashioned like that in that way that I love to be able to talk to somebody because when it's in that moment and we're talking it through, uh, you never know what's going to come up. So sometimes it's it's a nicer way to be that way. Um, so I love for people to pick up the phone and call me, but you can reach me on any of my social media, and uh, I'm very approachable and uh, very excited to help people with their horses. Well, that is exciting. So will you be back at Road to the Horse or the uh, Extreme Mustang Makeover this year? Absolutely. I am looking forward to my time with Trudy at the Espana booth that we are a corporate sponsor again this year for the Road to the Horse. Um, so I'm there every March with her for that event, and uh, it's exciting. It's always such a great way to start the year um, in Kentucky. I love coming out for that event uh, with Trudy, and then I would hope that I'm actually going to be um, in Kentucky again in June for the Extreme Mustang Makeover. Well, that is exciting stuff, so maybe we'll see you at one of those two events. But Absolutely. anyway, you, you have been great. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, I wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. And I wish all of my family and friends and all my clients a very Merry Christmas as well, especially all my family in Newfoundland. And it was a blessing uh, to have to, to be on your show today, Gary, and uh, with you too, Bobby Jean. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you. All right. Well, Bobby and I will be back to visit in just a moment, but right now let's listen to Riders in the Sky, a great song called Corn, Water, and Wood. Lori, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I was down the Arroyo gathering strays. You know, cowboys and cattle don't get holidays, and I should have been finished. Except for one little guy Who kept leading me farther away He ran up on a mesa Across the ravine Past the Indian ruin And a muddy red stream And I stopped for a spell Cause I was bone tired And I guessed that I started to dream I saw three painted horses Three dark-skinned men A mask made of clay With voices like wind Singing We seek the soul Of all that is good We come bearing corn Water and wood Stop and behold All that is good Give thanks for the corn Water and wood Now I'm an old trail hound And I've always believed That your boots and your saddle Are all that you need No miracles happen And no angels appear But I swear 
three men were standing there. I shook myself over. Had I been asleep, it's just three Pueblo children tending their sheep. And they yelled, Merry Christmas, as they brought me my stray. And their voices rang through the mesquite, singing, We seek the soul of all that is good. We come bearing corn, water and wood. Stop and behold, all that is good. Give thanks for the corn, water and wood. We seek the soul of all that is good. We come bearing corn, water and wood. Give thanks for the corn, thanks for the corn, water and wood. Corn, water, and wood, riders in the sky, and uh, Bobby Bell, what a fun show today with Eli Barcy and Lori Duff. Are you there? Bobby Bell. Bobby Bell. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. I'm here, I'm here. I couldn't remember the title of Jennifer Lynn's CD. And I, <clears throat> we're I live the title now. Of the song. So, yeah, oh, we're, we're live. live, yay. Yeah, we're live. We just <laughs> lost you for a minute. But, uh, I was yeah, doing a little was, research. Yeah, I was just saying what a fun show we had with Eli Barcy and with uh with uh, uh Lori Duff. I mean it's it's been a fun show today. That's fun been show. a fun show today, yeah. 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 But uh it's the last live show for us for the year and what a year we have had. It's been a whole lot of fun visiting with all of these musicians and, and uh uh equine friends uh from all across the globe i mean it's it's just been a it's been a quick year for me how about you oh i can't believe it see um i can't believe it and it's two years ago today that we officially became residents of new mexico and that two years that has flown equally fast (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh well the older i get the quicker it goes and uh but yeah we're 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 ending the year we are ending a decade so when we come back live again in january it's going to be the beginning of a brand new decade and uh another year of great musical guests and poets and uh and friends from the horse world so it's just it's just hard to believe that this decade has even gone by so quickly so mm-hmm. Uh, one of us has gotten older. I don't think you have. I don't think you've aged at all. <laughs> oh, well, you're too kind. <laughs> oh, okay. So you and Jim have big plans for Christmas? Uh, n- no, we we have been invited to a, a dear friends, and we'll be sharing um, Christmas with them, and that's that's wonderful. 
Um, Christmas Eve, there are lots of things that go on here in Albuquerque, and we're trying to sort of figure out how to get as many of them in this year as possible. And we're going to go see a live performance of my very favorite, favorite, favorite Christmas Actually, my favorite movie of all time, all genres, is Miracle on 34th Street, the original one. And a local um, theater company is doing it on Sunday. And so that's where we'll be Sunday afternoon. And, um, you know, I think for me, what I really love about Christmas is that long winter's nap that we get entitled to afterwards. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, I will spend uh, I will spend Christmas Day with my uh, with my uh, daughter and her husband and uh, and my four granddaughters there and uh, and then uh, on Sunday after Christmas my entire family will get together at one of my brothers to celebrate Christmas so I'm just grateful that my mom is still with us and she's able to celebrate with us as well she'll be 92 in April. And, uh, and so I'm, my mom will be 96 on the 27th of December. Yeah, so yeah. you you and I both grateful and blessed that our moms are still very active parts of our lives. Well, that's right. That is right. Well, I want to wish you and Jim a very Merry Christmas and, uh, and a Happy New Year. And uh, we will broadcast another show for uh, the day after Christmas. But this is the last show that will be live for this year. So uh, thank you for being such a big part of Equestrian Legacy Radio, Bobby. Well, it is my pleasure to ride that trail with you and Mr. Holt and be your sidekick. Nothing gives me greater <laughs> greater pleasure each week than to get ready for for the show. <laughs> hey, by the way, I saw but I saw a uh, I saw a video uh, that I had shared on Facebook of the uh, Lynn Anderson. Uh, a Hall of Fame induction during the International Western Music Association. And you were in that video and you had a tag on, and I noticed that it said sidekick on the bottom of that tag. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's uh, pretty yes. important. And I haven't seen, and I haven't seen that video yet. I do recall being interviewed, but it wasn't ready to actually show at the conference. So I was curious and I saw that you posted it. I'm looking forward to going watching it. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, listen, have a great uh, wrap-up for 2019, and we'll see you in 2020. Thank you to our audience around the world for listening all year in this past decade to Equestrian Legacy Radio Network's Campfire Cafe in Settled America. And uh, we wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, I guess we'll just close things out today with a great song by Miss Jennifer Land. It's one called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And I think that's a very appropriate way for us to end. Merry Christmas, Bobby. Merry Christmas, Gary. Troubles.
If the fate of 